All right, this car's mine. Uh, well, thank you so much. And uh, I was just thinking this morning <clears throat> when we were talking about worship, um, <clears throat> I was praying, I actually was praying, going, Lord, um, getting ready for this because this actually, this conference is actually for me. Uh, the things I've been going through that have been trying to shake me up. Uh, but I was listening to the old Maranatha music. Um, you know, I just went on. And, you know, YouTube, and I said, you know, I want, I want to listen to the old stuff. And I realized that we were constantly singing the word of God. You know, some of this new stuff, huh. you know, it's, I don't know, it's, I guess I'm getting old, but I, I don't like some of it. But the old stuff, which is the word of God, just, you know, we've come to church, we would sing the word of God, we would hear the word of God, we would fellowship with one another. And those were sweet days. And I just hope that, not so much Jamie, because she was singing the word today, but I hope the worship leaders in the Calvaries and everywhere else get back to singing the word of God. Wouldn't that be a blessing? So <clears throat> that's a little side note. But when Vanessa called me to speak, I was so honored to be here. And I'll tell you why. The Lord just spoke to me and said, I mean, we've been talking about honoring God today, but I actually am here to honor Jeanette. I was at the retreat um, in 2019 when we actually had this uh, uh, theme for our pastor's wives retreat. And I knew that she loved it and she wanted to do it. So actually, this is her conference. She wanted this topic for you and I can't believe that I get to be a part of sharing this with you because this was her this was her vision little did Jeanette know how God was going to use this verse in her own life and her family and um, <clears throat> and, and all the things that she's been going through and what I've been going through in the last year so I, I can't even remember when I met Jeanette I, I just know that seriously from the moment I met her, I liked her. I, I've always been the kind of person and the kind of friend that if you intimidate me, I, 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 just, I, don't, I just don't like intimidation in friends. Uh, you know, people that whatever it is that they have that I don't have, thinner, prettier, thicker hair, you know, if, if they're going to bring all that up, it's like, well, it's nice talking to you today but I can tell you that Jeanette was never like that you know I just remember from the moment I met her I just liked her there was just nothing intimidating about her um, you could just talk to her about anything she was non-judgmental although when we got done talking about something she'd say well have you ever thought about this Karen it was like she she could chide you in the sweetest way which I loved a lot. And I go, yeah, yeah, I know. We both had daughters, and we prayed about our kids so many times. Uh, you know, all the things that kids go through. I mean, you know, kids can be little pickles sometimes, you know. So we would pray through that. We shared the victories of the ministry together, uh, shared about what it was like being pastor's wives. And we talked about when folks would get mad at us, how much it would hurt us. And we just, you know, we just thought, gosh, we thought we were just doing the right thing, but people get hurt. But uh, with Jeanette, you know, I was always comfortable. That's a big thing for me in friendship. I like to be comfortable around my friends. She could joke around. And I remember once we were talking about getting new kitchen floors. We actually got the same kitchen floor boards. And uh, we found out later that that was not a good choice for, the, for that kitchen. <laughs> I think she had a spill with some sparkless water or something. I go, yeah, my dog. and uh, So we had some things in common. Now, she was friends with Marie Rosales before me. And uh, I remember one day Marie was talking to Jeanette, and she said, uh, uh, hey, Jay, wait wait for me. Uh, something she called her Jay, and I go, well, wait a minute. What, what, did she, what did she just call you? She goes, oh, she called me Jay. I go, well, 
what's with the J thing, you know? And she goes, and Marie goes, well, it's just a nickname. Well, I, in, I went back to fifth grade and wanted my jump rope. It's like, I want to I wanna say your nickname. I'll, I'll, I want to be able to have that kind of relationship with you that, I, you know, I'm a, she goes, well, Karen, you can call me Jay if you want, you know? It's like, okay, well, I'm going to call, call you Jay because, you know, I'm going to be one of the girls for sure. So you guys are already knowing, ooh, this woman's really insecure with her friends. But she said, okay, so the next time I saw her, I forgot it, that it was Jay, and I said, hi, Jan. <laughs> she goes, it's, it's Jay. <laughs> but Jeanette Walls was a good person. She was your pastor's wife. And now she's the wife of the pastor because this is going to be, you know, passing on. And so we, I am so glad to honor her today. And I hope that I encourage you the way Jeanette would encourage you. She, listen, this woman is royalty. She's, uh, you know, we're all daughters of Eve, right? We don't believe in breaking up things like that. We're all daughters of Eve. And she's maybe going to make us there before us. But what an excellent teacher. And let me tell you something. She was getting so well known for her teaching that maybe you guys wouldn't have seen much of her anyway because she was, she was, but the Lord said, well, I, w I want her home and I want, I want her to be speaking for me. And, you know, like we say, he, he gives and takes away. And we're going to talk a little bit about that today. Okay, 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we come before you and we thank you for your word today. We thank you that we can sit in this fellowship, Randy and Jeanette's fellowship, and honor her today as we honor you. And Lord, she's a grand lady. So Father, we just come before you. We ask that that you would anoint everything, the word, the worship, everything that goes on. And we do thank you in Jesus' name. <clears throat> this last year marks the 50th year that I've been a pastor's wife at Calvary Chapel of Downey. 50 years. Well, how did that happen? And in all that time, I can tell you that um, what, what a blessing, the appointment that God gave Jeff and I when we were 10 years old. <laughs> I wish. And um, I, what a blessing that it has been all those years. I was sort of a reluctant pastor's wife in the very beginning. Uh, I sort of had struggled with it, with it a bit. But I can tell you that this verse, this particular verse, at this particular time in history, needs to be marked in your Bible. This is a great verse because... We are experiencing such a radical change in our world. It is, the world is changing. Christianity is changing. Churches all over the world that have taken long, firm stands on sin and, and the belief systems that we believed in even 20 years ago, let alone 30, 40, 50 years when I started in the ministry, things are changing. Pastors and teachers and Christians and women, don't, they don't believe the same way. They're taking a little bit of a softer approach under the, well, we just have to love everybody verse. And, you know, we don't know about all the rest of the Bible. We just want to stick, we want to be Jesus only, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So we have to be careful. Churches are changing. They're softening some of the things that they I mean, they're accepting things that would have been unheard of 20 years ago, really even 10 years ago, accepting views. We know that Islam is the fastest growing religion in the world. Listen, I was part of the women's movement, and I can't even imagine why any woman would want to cover 99% of her body. I mean, I, I'm hot all the time anyway. But to cover 99% of your body and say that's... That's being liberated? I, I don't understand it. And the strict, strict rules of Islam. We know that Christianity, unfortunately, is declining. And being an, an, athe being an atheist is growing. People are long, 
long-term Christians that have been in the faith for many, many, many years are turning their backs on the Lord and saying, we just don't believe this anymore. How is that happening? I have friends that are, I have pastor's kids that are all over Facebook just denouncing Christianity and all the things that their, their parents taught them as children, they're just renouncing. I, I prayed for this one pastor's son last night, Lord, just bring him back and let him be a witness of how he got away and, and how he came back. That's what I hope is going to happen. But how in, this, how in the world did this happen? Where good is evil and evil is good. And the opinions of those in the media, TV and films, are the persuasive opinions that we go, yeah, I never really thought of it that way. And it kind of tends to tweak our thinking a little bit. We have to stay very, very close to the word. We have shows poking fun at religion, jokes about Jesus. Oh, yeah, I know, but I just really like that show. I have to watch that. Do you know the F word is almost to where we don't clench anymore? I mean, it is so common. It is an adjective now. It's just that's what people say. And we used to just, ooh, But now it's become so commonplace, it's like any other cuss word. And it's horrible, terrible word. And, it's, and I don't know if you've noticed lately, they're not deleting it so much on TV. It's all over Facebook now. But Jesus warned us that this would happen. Like, no, we have to stop this. No, Jesus warned us this would happen. The economy is failing. Karen, what should we do with our money? I don't know. Coffee can in the backyard? <laughs> we already have a country in Africa that is now a cashless society, a whole country. And the, and the men and women that fought against it, they said starve them out until they turn in their money and go, go with the banks. And, and they won, and now they're a completely cashless society. It's coming. We live in a world where parents are very, very, very afraid of their children. Where the greatest fear in our hearts are, oh, I, I can't do that. My, my son will get mad at me. My son will be mad at me. If I, 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 can't, I can't tell my daughter to do that. She, she won't like me. Parents are so afraid of their children today that they won't be liked. Now, when I was 10 years old, probably up to where I was 20, I can't remember not ever being mad at my parents. I was always mad at my parents. And you know what? They didn't care. They didn't care. It's like, you know, you'd say crazy things like, Mom, I just hate you. Well, yeah, well, dinner's at 5. See you there. They weren't shaken by... You know, I don't like you. If you spank me, I'm going to turn you into the police. We're very afraid of our children today. Of course, my home was very abusive. My mother made me go to school. <laughs> I, I had to do my homework. Of course, my mother was a teacher. I had to clean my room. I had to be home at a certain time. <gasps> oh, that's abusive. I could use the car, but if I was on restriction, I couldn't use it. That's unheard of today. It's like, Mom, give me those keys right now. Give the keys. Give me the keys, Mom. Mom, just like zombie here. I don't want you to be mad at me. That was the kind of house that I grew up in. And my children grew up in a house where they went to church. And my daughters would say a few times, you know, well, this is my room. Get out of my room. And Jeff would go, is this, is this your room? Yeah, this is my room. Now you leave. He'd just get a hammer and a screwdriver, take the hinge off the door, put it outside, he goes, this is my house. No screaming, no yelling, no arguing. No, this is, this is my house, and this is my room, and you can use it. But he, we just didn't argue about things like that. Today, that would be abuse. That would be abuse if you took the door off your kid's door while they're going to slam it right in your face. I don't know how this happened. This verse in 1 Corinthians 5.58 is for us as Christian women, wives, mothers, teens, for all believers, really. But gosh, think about it. If we could hold on to this. Paul says to us, my beloved brethren, we are believers in the faith. He tells us to be steadfast, firmly fixed in place, 
not subject to any change. We are to be firm in our belief and firm in our determination and loyal. This is what, when we turned our lives over to Christ, this is what we bought into. This is the life that we chose. Nobody forced us. We belong to Jesus. This is his truth. This is his word. And this, ladies, you know it, this is, this is absolute. We, we can't change this. This is absolute. It is what it is. And it is not dependent on anything else like, well, I don't think that's very loving. The Lord just says, this is how it is. And we go by the word. Our belief is ultimate. We have an ultimate reality of God in our life. We are steadfast because God is steadfast. He never changes. And Jesus Christ is the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. There is no shadow. There's no shifting shadows with him. He is just the same. He is the only thing in our lives that is the absolute, 100% absolute in our lives that we go to. He is the pillar that we lean on. He is where we go to get truth. There is no other truth in this world. He is our example and we follow him. I have friends that have actually left the church, left the faith, and we go out to lunch or dinner, you know, I stay friends with them. And they always start out sort of like, well, Karen, what do you think about this or that? You know, come on, these controversial subjects, and I'm not going to get into them because you know what they are. They go, come on, don't you think that, don't you think, I feel like sometimes I'm going out with a snake. Well, what do you think? Come on, come on, what do you think about this or that? And I always say to them, well, again, no arguing, don't raise my voice. Well, you, well, you know what I think. Nothing has changed. I think the same way I always thought about that particular subject. She goes, well, what's your opinion? I go, well, I don't have, who cares about my opinion? Who am I? I, I don't get a vote here. I, I have this, my opinion is God's opinion. Well, doesn't it change with the culture? I don't see that in the word that Jesus said he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I don't see a little change in that, a little shifting shadow over that. My opinion is my opinion. I can have an opinion, but it doesn't hold any weight. It doesn't hold any truth for you because that's just my opinion. But I, I listen to God's word. I want his opinion. I quote verses back to them concerning whatever behavior they're t wanting to talk about. And I go, no, we, this is what the word says. I, I don't get a vote here. It's not, it's not that I don't love anybody or care about people. It's just that this is what God said. Yes, but don't you think, they say, I stop. And I, like I said, I just don't think. I want to obey the Lord. He is our creator, so his opinion is the one that we want. He wants us to be immovable, which means incapable, incapable of being moved. Not moving back and forth, it is, we are incapable of being moved. The Lord wants us to be immovable, but where as women, where is our greatest you know, clink in the armor. Is that what it's called? The link? The clink? Chink. Chink. Okay. Where is the, where do we, where do we always mess up? We, well, we mess up in the area of our reactions and our emotions. That's where the enemy gets us every time. That's where we mess up. After 50 years in the ministry, I can tell you I have seen every single reaction to every single crisis you could possibly think of. I've seen women that fall to hysteria immediately. I've seen women that just become frozen and just cannot speak. I've seen women who act very quietly and decisively making decisions. But you might say, well, Karen, come on, give us a break. You know, we're women. We have the right to react. Well, that's true. We do have a right to react. 
But God created us, and God created, created us to be able to handle things in a crisis. How do we know? There it is. We are to be unshakable, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. And the enemy gets us when we fall prey in a crisis. You've seen doctors in an emergency room or firemen at a fire. They're not like, ah, what are we going to do? It's a fire. Why, why are they so calm in a crisis? Well, they're prepared. They've been prepared through training how to handle a crisis. We're to be prepared as well. How do we be prepared? Worship, the word, and that's what calms us and keeps us unmovable. They don't stress out. They're not all ramped up with the symptoms of fear or stress. Why is that? Like I said, they've been prepared. And when a traumatic event occurs, there is no right and wrong in how we feel in a crisis. When something happens, you know, we have a right to have a, an opinion about the crisis, but we don't have to flip out about it. Sure, we can be upset or, you know, answer the phone and, you know, but you got to get control of yourself. This is where the enemy gets in and robs us and starts moving us around. And pretty soon the palm tree fell over. It's important that we find ways to cope when these events happen. You've been around your friends. You've been at lunch when the phone rings and they pick up the phone and they just... <laughs> Could see the panic in their face, and you're just going, what? What happened? So, I, and they're just in a panic. I've learned that when I get those kind of phone calls, I just go, mm-hmm, okay, I'll, I'll be there. I don't want to get them upset. I want to be in control. I want to be immovable so I can be a, not only a good witness to them, but so it keeps my emotions in control. We can cause panic. We can cause things to get way out of control and scare our kids. We've got to get in control. Proverbs 3, 25 and 26 says, Do not be afraid of sudden fear. The Lord will keep you and keep your feet from being caught. The Lord does not want us to be afraid of sudden fear. Things are going to happen. Car accidents are going to happen. We're going to get the phone call, whatever it is. But we can't. We can't panic. We have to be in control. Your child's brand new motorized bicycle was just stolen. Okay, we're going to take care of it. Don't panic. Don't, you know, don't flip out over it. Just, you know, you can handle things like being angry that they didn't put the lock on the bike, but stay in control. I'll never forget when I was 30 years old. I was, you know, I was a nurse for 10 years and, uh, we were, we were in Egypt, and um, my husband said, Karen, I'm going to go speak at a conference today. I want you to take the tour. We were on a tour. I want you to take the tour. Um, we're going to Saqqara that day, and I want you to take the tour and lead the tour. I'll meet you for lunch. Oh, okay, that sounds okay. So we get out to Saqqara. We had about 30 people in the bus, even my two children which were, I can't remember, somewhere under 10. So um, we go out to Saqqara, and there were just wild dogs everywhere. And when the wild dogs would see the bus, they'd just come running because they knew that the tourists were going to give them some goodies. And so the dogs were coming down, and, you know, they had that look. And so we're in the pyramids looking around, and all of a sudden we heard at least 10 gunshots. Well, you don't want to hear gunshots in Egypt. Believe me, you don't want to hear that. <laughs> it was like, I looked at the tour guide, and he goes, you know, it's okay. It's all right. It was like, oh, oh okay. I don't know, maybe target practice. I, you know, I don't know. <laughs> so we start walking back to the bus, and all those dogs were laying all over the area where we had to walk through all these bloody dead dogs to get into the bus. And everyone was crying. They were out of control. The little puppies that were belonged to the mothers, or you know, it was a scene. It was crazy. We had to 
walk over the dogs and get into the bus. We shut the door of the bus, and the tour guide looked at me and says, do you think there's anything you can say? I'm thinking, what a day for Jeff to go teach. <laughs> so I thought, okay, I'm going to put on my nurse hat. And I remember from nurses training that if you want to get people's attention, you don't yell. You, you whisper. So I took the mic and I, I turned my back. They were all behind me. And I go, listen, listen, I want, I want to say something. I want, and I'm making this up as I go. In my head going, God, help me. Help me. And, I, and they go, oh, be quiet. Karen's going to talk. Karen's going to talk. I said, now listen. I know that this is terrible, and this is a terrible thing to see, and I'm so sorry that you had to see this, Lord. But I just want all of you to know that this is normal because this is the way of the desert. <laughs> and just as I said that, the bus driver slammed on his brakes for something else, and everybody went forward, ah! And they all went, oh, this is the way of the desert. <laughs> I said, this is the way of the desert. And as the bus drove away, I just thought, wow. Thank you, Lord. You not only got me out of that, but you calmed everybody down. Now, when we got to lunch to meet my husband, uh, he goes, what happened? I said, oh, Jeff. And he goes, well, what'd you say? I, just, I said, I just said, this is the way of the desert. <laughs> he goes, well, how'd you come up with that? I said, I don't know. I just, I don't know where it came from. It was totally the Lord. Well, there were two little sisters on the tour. They were like twin sisters. I mean, they were, they were attached at the hip. They went everywhere together. They didn't, they came out and they went, we want to know what is the way of the desert? <laughs> what is the way of the desert? And I said, well, we're just getting ready to have lunch. We got to pray. Pray for lunch. We're going to pray for lunch now. And they, nobody asked me again what the way of the desert was. Everybody was calm, and I calmed them down. I was a wreck. I mean, you could smell me a mile away. But you have to, do you know that even when you're in shock that God can speak to you? He doesn't ever want us out of control. He wants us to be in control. Even my little daughters were like, oh, it's just the way of the desert, you know. Dogs die anyway. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> we are not to be afraid of southern fear. It doesn't say that at times things are going to try us and really put us to the test. But we are not to be so afraid that we are out of control. You might say, well, you don't understand my family culture. I'm German. I have a German background. No, you might say, oh, I'm an Italian. You know, I'm Irish. I'm from New York. Or whatever it is that you are, I'm Hispanic. This is just how we do things in our family. We're just loud and we react to things. Well, we're not part of any culture anymore, ladies. We are daughters of Eve. We are in God's culture. We have one culture. We are Christians. And this is what God has called us to, to stay in control. The word Galatians 3.28 says, We are neither Jew nor Gentile, Slave or free, male or female, we are all one in Christ. This is our culture. This is our new culture. Our position is to be mature women of God, mature Christians, remaining calm in a crisis, immovable, steadfast, knowing God is in control. Yes, we can cry and we can be upset and we can grieve, but not as those that have no hope. And then the Lord says, I want you always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain. When we joined God's forever family, we joined his labor force. Now, we know that Dr. Luke wrote the book of Acts. It was written by a, 
a doctor, and it was written from a perspective of a doctor, and doctors care about people, well, most of them do, but um, there's a tenderness in the book of Acts that I like, and there's a few words here that I just, I just really love. How do we as bu busy women of God stay abounding in the work of the Lord? Well, if you turn to book, uh, uh, um, the book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 4, and you should mark this in your Bible. This is a really interesting word. And in the next session, we're going to talk about this word where uh, the Lord says that we are to wait. They, the, dis the disciples were to wait in Jerusalem. They were wait. They were told to wait for the promise of the Father. Underline that word, wait, because this is another area where we really get tripped up as women. We are to be filled with the Holy Spirit, wisdom, discernment, and the power to live the Christian life. I would love to hear Chuck talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, because it's like, why do we need the baptism of the Holy Spirit, Chuck? And you'd always say, so you have the power to live the Christian life. And it's like, don't we need that power? We need that power to live the Christian life. We, don't, we just don't have any idea what we would do, because there again, we'd be back and forth with our own opinions. But the Lord gives us power to live the Christian life and to power over sin. And then in Acts 2.42, which is another verse we need to really look at today, especially in these last days. In Acts uh, chapter 2, verse 41, it says that they were baptized. We need to be baptized if you haven't been baptized. But Acts 2.42, ah, oh, powerful, practical verse. This is the verse that gives us so much victory. How did these baby, 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 baby Christians, Jews, Greeks, you talk about culture, you talk about tradition. I mean, these people were steeped in it, and then to be under Roman control, which was like a dictatorship. How in the world did they grow in the Lord? Acts 2.42. It was written almost as a prescription for us. Read it. These are the instructions for new baby believers, but this is for us today as well. What does it say? That we are to, we, that we are to continually, steadfastly stay in the apostles' doctrine. Steadfastly stay in the apostles' doctrine. Fellowship, communion, and prayer. That's how they did it, and that's what we should be doing. When we panic, when we get out of control, something's maybe not working in this area. Are you in the word? Are you praying? Are you taking communion? We have to stay, and, and also to stay in fellowship. Now, didn't COVID try to ruin that? Didn't COVID say, no, 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 you can stay home. Well, you can watch church online. Well, sure, and we all did, and sometimes we do when we're sick or staying home or if you have a little tiny baby. But the Bible says we do not forsake ourselves assembling together. Why? Why do we do that? We stay faithful and steadfast. The word is our manual. It's our map. It's our course. It's our direction. It's our hope. And then the, I love the verse that talks about our blessed hope. We don't, we don't do all this just for nothing. We, we get heaven. I don't know what you're going through. I know what I'm going through. But this is the worst it's ever going to get. I've heard somebody say, this is the only hell we are ever going to experience. This is it. It's not, it will ne this is the worst it's ever going to be in your life. When we get to heaven, it's going to be the blessed hope of those who are in Christ. We need to go to church. Why? Because the word says iron sharpens iron. I have to come over to you, Lisa, and I have to rub on you, and you have to rub on me. We have to talk. We, you know, when somebody says those little one-liners that you go, I'm just going through this, and I just don't know what to do. Well, why don't you do this? Wow, that was wisdom. That's iron sharpening iron, and you cannot do that online. 
We have to be in fellowship. And you go, well, I don't need to be there for me. But you know what? Somebody might need you. And we have to have a perspective of not what we want and what's comfortable for us. Believe me, listen, not going to church and sitting in my pajamas and drinking coffee during the service, watching online was nice, but I wasn't, sh wasn't getting sharp during those months. And worship, like I said before, we need to worship songs that are the word of God. Taking communion. Lord, what's the big deal about communion? Well, Jesus commanded us to take communion. Why? What is the big deal about communion? Well, he told us to take communion because he wanted us to remember his, his death and his resurrection and his healing power through his blood. And why did he say he wanted us to, to do this? I mean, it's a command. Because he knew we'd forget. When you, you young mothers, when you leave, don't you tell your babysitter the most important thing before you walk out the door? We're going to be home at 8 o'clock, and don't forget to give little whoever, Johnny, whoever, the medication for his asthma. The most important things you share with people are things that are most important to you. Jesus said, you take communion, because I don't want you to forget what I did for you. And of course, prayer. We need to pray with one another. We need to pray with the saints, because it's precious and it's needful. It's how we communicate with God. Do you know that when you're praying, you're communicating with God? The creator of the world? You ever think about that? Wow. That's a way to enter into prayer. The creator of the world? Longing? He's so longing to hear from us. Prayer is a very powerful, powerful weapon. It releases God's powerful blessings upon us. And it draws our heart to his heart. There's something about prayer that's just so precious. It's the place where we go and ask for forgiveness from sin. It's the place that we go to where he forgives us. It's very powerful. We need to be praying. Ask yourself, you know, not out loud, but in the last month, end to end, how much time did you spend in prayer? Was it a minute? An hour? half an hour we, no you answer your own question but god wants to hear from us even if it's waking up in the morning and just going good morning god just bless my day i love you jesus holy spirit fill me i don't know what i don't know what's going to hit me down the road today because you know something's going to hit you lord just keep me in that place i love seeing People walking dogs with those little short leashes the, where the dog is right next to the leg of the master. I go, that's what I want, God. I want a short leash. I don't want one of those leashes that you and the dog's gone. No, I want a short leash. I want to be right next to the Father. Prayer calms our hearts. Prayer drives the stake of becoming immovable. Every time we pray, that stake of becoming un unmovable is pounded a little bit deeper, more immovable, and we have his peace. It's a place where we can all say in confidence, I trust the Lord, and I even trust his perfect will. 16 months ago at a regional CCA conference, Calvary Chapel Association conference, my husband Jeff found a little little bump on the back of his leg. He goes, Karen, what is this? I, went, well, I don't know. Probably pulled a muscle. He'd been working out. So he probably pulled a muscle, but you know, let's go to the doctor. I'm one of those. I want to know what it is. So we went to the doctor and he comes back in. Horror is on his face. I knew it was bad. I knew it was really bad. He said, Jeff, you have cancer. You have cancer in your leg, and you have cancer all over your groin and all the way up to your right-hand side, all the way up to your hip. It's bad. It's aggressive. I'm sending you to the City of Hope 
tomorrow. They will put you on chemotherapy immediately. Aggressive chemotherapy. It's going to be very, very bad because the cancer's extremely bad. That all took place in about three minutes. Talk about a reaction shaking up your world. <coughs> couldn't breathe. I couldn't think. Where's the city of hope? I thought, well, I better call Sharon Reese. She'd been down there the last 13 years. She's made it. We're going to be okay. I don't know if you know anything about chemotherapy, but I'll tell you that stuff is liquid lava from the deepest, darkest pit in this world. It's horrible. It's a horrible chemical. And they were mixing all these chemicals together because they wanted to kill the cancer. And I watched my husband shrink about 70 pounds. He lost so much weight. His skin was just hanging off of him. Lost all of his hair. Turned completely gray. And I, when I would just look next to him sleeping in the bed next to me, I just thought, who is this? You talk about for better or for worse. It was really, oh, and he was so sick. So, so sick. We were at the... We were at the City of Hope every single day, every day, 7 o'clock in the morning, with 10-minute potty breaks every single place we had to go. Because it was like Crohn's disease. We just had to go to the bathroom every 10 minutes. So, okay, McDonald's here. It's okay, Jeff. We got Jack in the Box there. We just had to tr map the whole area to get to the City of Hope. It was a balancing act. It, he was in a fight for his life. He got brain fog. He couldn't write anymore. He lost his memory. And we fought all summer, and we won the battle. He didn't have cancer anymore. However, the chemotherapy destroyed his liver. Completely obliterated and blew up his liver. Well, you can't live without a liver. So we went to the doctor. We went back to the doctor again and said, well, what can we do? Oh, we'll try this and that, try this, try mushrooms, try this. We tried everything. I would have done anything. I called every prayer chain I could think of. I, you know, four months of this. We saw him a few weeks ago, and he said, well, Jeff, I can't help you. We've done everything we can do to help you. The, the liver is being destroyed faster than the medication is helping, so... I can't, just don't come back. You're going to have to go somewhere else. It's like, well, where do we go? Well, go to UCLA and ask for a, a liver transplant because you're not going to live without a liver transplant. He's not going to live without a liver transplant. That's right. So, okay, let's go to UCLA and apply for a liver transplant. You know, they don't like to give liver transplants to people in their 70s, you know, when there's little 10-year-old children that need the liver. They said, okay, we'll give you a liver, but you got to have a clean cancer. You know, can't have any cancer. Oh, okay, we'll get a clean test. The test comes back that he has colon cancer, which means we can't get the liver transplant. So up and down. Up and down. Jeff goes, what do we do? I go, you know, I really, I, you talk about getting your affairs in order. I said, Jeff, I really don't know what to do. He goes, should I go sell my guns? I go, well, yeah, that might be a good idea. I mean, we just didn't even know what to talk about. Should we, should we take our money out? I don't know. Should we sell the cars? Jeff, I don't know. And we just prayed and sought the Lord. The doctor called up and goes, oops, false positive, no cancer. So you go back now, you can go back to UCL and get, get your liver transplant. So that's been my year, in addition to the fact that after 50 years of being the pastor's wife, the senior pastor's wife at Calvary Chapel Downey, we're not in ministry anymore. We're, we, we, had to step, we had to step out of the ministry. That was tough. I lost everything, everything I have done in the past 50 years to care for my husband, which was not, that was not the problem. It was like I just was letting go every single day of something else, holding on to those pillars of steel. 
now we have a false positive, so now we're going to go back. And you talk about the book of Job. My, book, my story is a little mini book of Job, but I know this, that we weren't bad people. God isn't punishing us. No, we love the Lord because we've been in the word and in fellowship and communion and prayer, just like Randy. God isn't punishing us. We've been faithful. We've been faithful. We are firmly planted, not moving. I love the hymn, the old, old hymn. God is a healing God. But even if Jeff doesn't make it, God's healed him. He is a healing God. We will never, ever lose. We have years and years and years of prayers in the bank. And when I can't pray, <laughs> I just make a withdrawal. I just make a withdrawal on my prayer. Because sometimes I can't pray. Sometimes I open up the Bible and it's like, ah, it's, just, I can't. it's okay, Karen. You got, you got the word of God in the bank. It's in the bank. It's already in there. You're not going to be flopping around. Make your decisions. And you might be saying, yeah, Karen, you're not very emotional up there. Oh, you don't know in the middle of the night when the movie starts. You know the movie? You know that movie? Yeah, you know the movie. If you know the movie, you know the movie. And the movie is, well, <laughs> so this is what you get after 50 years? Well, what'd you do? Maybe you didn't turn in the money after the last Israel trip. Oh, maybe you spent too much over there. Oh, maybe you weren't nice to that lady at church. You know, all right, well, you know, you're not a very nice person sometimes. And the, and the movie, and you got to shut the movie off. How? Prayers in the bank. Prayers in the bank. I got the word of God in the bank. And if you don't have it in the bank, when the crisis hits, husband has colon cancer you're going to flip out you're going to flip out you've got to hang in there years of calvary chapel teaching do you know how fortunate we are to be a part of a calvary chapel go to another church and find out topical 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 studies that just i just love to hear this about how how i can do this and how i'm going to prosper and how i'm going to be this but you know you drive away and you just go I don't know, I just didn't really get anything out of that. Prayers in the bank, the word of God in the bank. The natural man would say, Karen, you've lost everything. And I say, well, God told Sarah and Abraham when they were really old to get out and move forward. And so before we even knew this was going on, the Lord had been speaking to our hearts about starting a ministry in Israel to bless Israeli believers. We've been to Israel over 56 times. We have family there. We have people. I have a, children that were placed through House of Ruth, our adoption ministry, there in Israel. I have a family in Israel. And we're going to Israel to, to bless Israeli believers. The ministry's called Gihon Springs. I forgot to bring the pliers. Well, I guess I'm not pushing for money, but I'll, I'll, I'll give them to you next time. But we're, we're going to go over there and bless Christians that are in the ministry over there. Is Jeff going to get a liver? I don't know. And if he gets a liver, is he going to live? I don't know. But the work of the ministry goes on. Because Jeff and I have said we are going to have great peace in the crisis. Do we cry together and are we sad? Yes. But I know this. 50 years at Downey now belongs to another pastor. God anointed us for that time. He anointed us. But now the anointing is on someone else. We were appointed. And people say, well, aren't you disappointed? Well, yes, I am disappointed, but not disappointed in how you think. We were appointed for a time, and now we've been disappointed. Yeah. And that's okay, because God anoints, and God disappoints. So it's a little bit different emphasis on that word. Psalm 75.7 says, God is the judge. He puts down one and exalts another. 
Why? Because when, have you ever studied the names of God? I know you're, you probably have gone through that. Do you know that one of the names of God is justice? He's just. Holy justice. Pure, holy justice toward Jeff and I. Toward Jeanette and Randy. Holy justice. So we just submit to what that is. This is his vineyard. This church, like Downey, is his vineyard. We were workers in his vineyard. We just were workers. The crop belongs to the Lord. He's given us a great privilege to be stewards, to work in his vineyard. And if he says, I think you're getting old, or I think you're too sick, I want you, I'm going to put some other workers in the vineyard. It's his vineyard. I don't know what trial you're dealing with today. I don't know what wakes you up in the middle of the night. when the movie, I don't know what your movie is, but we all have one. I don't know what phantom from your past haunts you. Maybe that phantom puts a dagger between you and your husband. Facebook hasn't helped because we're all looking up our old boyfriends <laughs> from high school. Wonder what he's doing. Oh, oh. Dangerous stuff, ladies. Very dangerous stuff. We need to let go. What could you have possibly done that God doesn't already know about anyway? Do you think that guilt thing you're holding on to that God goes, don't you think somebody else has done that before you? But we think everything is so unique with us. But my situation is different. We're just, we're all daughters of Eve, guys. We're just all one of the girls. And we need to understand we need to keep short accounts with God on a short leash. He knows about it already. To remain steadfast, immovable, abounding in the Lord, not moved in a crisis or circumstances, takes us to that place where it takes the pressure off of us. You heard the story many times about the little child that says, Daddy, I want to I hold your hand. Daddy, I want to I hold your hand. And the daddy says, no. I'm going to hold your hand. Because when the little girl holds daddy's hand, it's not strong enough. The daddy says, I'm going to hold your hand. I want you immovable. I don't want you running around this door. You're going to stay right next to me. I'm going to hold your hand. Now, we can pull our hand away from the father. We have that option because he gives us the free will but don't we want to don't you just want to relax and let the lord hold on to your hand so much effort to try to hold on to his just let him love you and hold your hand now the next session we're going to talk about how mighty god is and why and because of his mightiness we can trust him all of these scriptures all these things that we're talking about we're going to talk about how we want to remain in his huge hands and his loving arms to help us to be unmovable. So I think we're going to have a 10-minute break.